Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're about to listen to Graham's preview of this weekend's Madrid derby, Atleti v Real Madrid at the Wanda Metropolitana. This full episode is free. This week we also recorded the November socio special titled What's Eating Atleti, which is Graham's deep dive into the mounting issues under Cholo Simeone. To access that episode and a growing back catalogue of big interviews including Rafa van der Vaart, Ledley King, Robbie Keane and Kevin Phillips, go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter to become a socio. Hello everybody and welcome to a big Inside View special previewing the weekend's derby between Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid on the line from Barcelona, Graham Hunter. I am, I am on the line. So this is going to be a huge date in Atleti's brief history at their new stadium. I think everybody's in agreement that they haven't quite put their roots down yet and this could be either another game where they struggle to make this place home or it could be the night where everything comes together and it becomes their place. I think that's spot on because, I mean, I think it's rare that you come to a big game like this where there's so much culture and so much pride on the line and where it's so vital for the league given the fact that um, neither of them are playing the way they want to, have started the way they want to. Each of them lie eight points off the leader and neither of them have ever closed eight-point gap on a leader to win a title ever, although it's been done. And therefore, to, to begin with the stadium might seem odd to some people, but for anybody who's listening now on the Big Inside View and hasn't been to the Vicente Calderon, uh, which you have, Neil, then the, the, the important thing to say is that spiritually it was such a vital place for them. It was a, it was a, it was a home where they had that history. They had the things, that the touchstones that in times of difficulty you could reach out to history as a player and you could count on inspiration from the most ferocious and vociferous atmosphere that I think I've ever seen, including a Turkish club at its most passionate, the Milan Derby, Milan Juve I've been to, Old Firm Games I've been to, City United, United Liverpool, Classicos I've been to, umpteen of. I think the hard fact is that it's, to say outright the Cardron was the best, best, strong, but Having been at the Calderon when the fans and the players are, are in unity, it's it's definitely an extra force. It definitely brings more up players who think that they've given everything that they've got or it brings belief. It's some, not Madrid, I don't think, but some opponents could have been inhibited a little bit or some players, the, the, the teeth of players chatter and the knees knock just like any other human being. They'll deny it. You might be sitting there thinking, well, for their £200,000 a week, it shouldn't be so, but it is so. And to take the card run away is something, and, and you phrased it right, um, Neil. The, the Wanda Metropolitano, the, 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 I mean, even just for four hours before the derby, and this did, this, believe me, this didn't happen to the Calderon. This would have been verboten at the Calderon. There's music, um, open-air food, um, bevy, 
surrounding the Wanda Metropolitan because it's in a, a much less metropolitan area, despite its name. It's it's much less built up. There is space. Um, it's distinctly out of town, and therefore they want to create an atmosphere. Now, you know, there are many games. You and I grew up in the UK. There are many games in the UK, particularly derby games of such high voltage. That you couldn't have done that. You wouldn't have wanted to do that. Um, it would be a major sort of police and security stewards operation to get fans in and out. Well, that's not what's happening at the, the Metropolitan tomorrow. Um, today, if you're listening on Saturday, tonight, it's a tonight game. If you're in the UK live on Sky, there's tons of other providers around the world wherever you listen to the, the big inside view. And I'll go back to, I've seen many derbies at Bernabeu and, and at the Calderon, and there are relatively few fans travel. There are more Atleti fans travel to the Bernabeu than vice versa, but there will be Madrid fans there. So the, the one I go back to is the second of the two Champions League finals that they had um, between these two clubs, which was in Milan. And the Piazza del Duomo in the, on the Saturday of the nighttime game of the Champions League final was absolutely jam-packed full of both sets of supporters, both wearing stri- their strips but, and their scarves. Very low police profile, everybody bevying in the sun, and, and not an incident, not a problem. In a style that, or a style that in, in many UK major cities where the football that we love and where the, the tension and the, and the acceptable aggression that I think most of us love, because there are, you would agree, Neil, I guess, acceptable limits. You want a bit of buzz. You want a bit of bite. You don't want violence in a city. You don't want violence inside or outside a stadium. But it's nice to have an edge. And in, in Milan, where there was the only sort of fiesta, festival feeling that might be akin to what they're trying to achieve outside the Metropolitano tomorrow night, everything went absolutely dandy and, you know, full respect for that. Uh, the atmosphere inside, I think, will be a little bit different. You sort of set the scene in terms of the league table. We have two teams tied on 23 points behind Barcelona, who may, by the time of kickoff, be even further ahead. They could move on to 34 points. If they, they play want. Leganes just outside Madrid. I mean, it's a Madrid club in, in Everett Commas, but they do. They play Leganes, who were everybody's favourites for relegation last season, who uh, Garitano, their coach, got on a sufficiently strong winning run towards the end of the season that they stayed up by a whisker. And yet they started this season in, I mean, genuinely fabulous form. Until uh, recent defeats, they were sitting um, sixth and fifth and touching Champions League places. They're now ninth, and they've got 17 points. So if you, if you look at, let's leave Aleti out, if you look at Madrid, the, the world Europe, Spain champions who won both Super Cups this season against thrashing Barcelona and, and you know, showing Manchester United where the door Mark Salido was. You know, Leganes are only, what, um, 23 and 17, six points. Six points short of Real Madrid, that ain't bad. So, will Leganes win? Don't know. And I think your premise, what, what were you saying? That, that but it could get, it could look even worse. At kickoff, it, 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 it might be. Win, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's worth saying that Valencia are in between Barcelona and Real Madrid. We're beginning to get a picture of where the pressure is coming from ahead of this fixture. And crazily, it seems that the pressure is real for two managers who might, at the start of the season, be as close as you could get to bulletproof. I think it depends what you mean by all of that, because first of all, the pressure in the two clubs is completely different. I think to go back to your first question, you're right that when you have, uh, we've all seen it. In, I mean, depending on how old each of us is um, on this podcast, um, we've all seen the concept of a new stadium, and you know, it's it's like 
getting a tooth implant or getting a new pair of shoes, you know, you feel it. It chafes for a while and it doesn't feel right. And it takes time to feel right. And victories help that. And the idea of not letting this stupid idea, but it, it's a prevalent idea in football, a hoodoo. Can't win, can't win big games at the new stadium. Somehow the atmosphere or the players contribute to the other or the players aren't comfortable or they can't win with all that kind of stuff which is why it was so absolutely vital that they won their their opening home game which they did 1-0 so to win a derby is is extra special uh, right now you, you talked about writing new pages in a history and I think that's that's a fair comment that's not the real pressure for Atleti the real pressure for Atleti is what you you described that the snapping pack the snapping pack are not going to overtake Real Madrid despite the fact that the distance between them and Sevilla, Villarreal, Real Sociedad, Betis, etc., is the same as the distance between those clubs and um, Atleti right now. Atleti are looking down and Real Madrid are looking up. That's that's the hard fact. Atleti cannot win the title. They, they could, you know, with an exceptional second half of the season, maybe they can aim at third or second, I don't know. I, I doubt it, personally. But they can't win the title. They simply aren't good enough. They're not equipped for it. I think... Um, that means that they're, they're, what they cannot let happen with the with the trapdoor of the Champions League group right now, where they have Carabag, Roma, and Chelsea, each of whom has looked better than Atleti right now. The trapdoor is 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 twitching, ready to dump them out into the Europa League. Therefore, the idea of not qualifying for the Champions League new stadium when they need to completely overhaul the squad, when they need to start another new season in the Wonder Metropolitano, looking and feeling good to the fans who, who renew their their season tickets. This is a vital game because Atleti need to have a muscular season. Real Madrid is completely different. The The idea that the most successful Real Madrid of all time, which last season was, irrespective of the Gento, um, Real, uh, Del Sol, Puskas, Di Stefano era, that was, that was their best ever season last season. The idea that they lose to Atleti, and they're out of the title race, Neil, by mid-November. Hypothetically, we're talking for argument's sake, with an 11-point gap. And that's a burden of shame that any player, any president, any manager would find heavy to carry. Under threat, Cholo Simeone is just renewed until 2020. And there will be criticism if they lose. And it will be legitimate because they're in a bad place. But safe? A thousand percent safe. Still untouchable. I use the word bulletproof. Uh, still the Teflon um, Cholo. As far as Zidane is concerned, the same applies to him. The, the umbilical link between him and the president dates back to not simply that moment in Monte Carlo back in 2000 and, I don't know, 2001-2, in the, in the New Year gap between the two years, when Zidane passed back the paper serviette with the question, do you want to sign for Madrid, with the answer, yes. And then winning the, the Champions League with that goal at Hamden in his first season. The umbilical link might have begun there. But it, it needs to be emphasised that when Florentino Perez realised that his Galactico project was was you know a joke, was Emperor's new clothes, and, and left of his own volition and was out of the club for a couple of seasons, a couple of very bumpy seasons, but nonetheless seasons when Ramon Calderon took them to the title... Um, when he decided to mount a charge for the presidency again, Florentino Perez, the two guys he looked to, to to join him in picture opportunities to help him with his PR were Ronaldo, the Brazilian, and Zidane. And Zidane stood by his president. Um, as soon as Florentino became president again, 
there were overtures about Zidane moving back to the club. He was doing his licences, but both general manager and coaching. He was jumping out of planes for charitable causes. He was driving, by his own words, his kids to school after breakfast um, and loving that. But the instant he knew he was ready to come back to football, what did he do? He phoned up Florentino, who incorporated him as, um, <laughs> not a salesman, but an ambassador for Real Madrid. Then um, a talent spotter for Real Madrid, football director. Then an assistant coach in various different um, guises and moments and levels of importance, but nonetheless an assistant coach who won the Champions League, helping Paul Clement and Carlo Ancelotti. Uh, then coach of uh, Castilla, the effectively Real Madrid B. And therefore I'm trying to paint a picture that while performance and results count at Real Madrid far more quickly than at almost any other club, there is definitely... You know, quicksand to either side of the the strong cement path that a Real Madrid coach is on. Not Zidane, and Zidane will will be given backing and time and understanding by his president. The, the, the Madrid press, no, I, I I think they could turn like bad milk. Um, but in terms of Zidane's future, Neil, irrespective of the result, um, I think he gets to choose when. He's uh, tired or had enough or would like to take a break and maybe look to work. Uh, At some stage, I expect him to manage France internationally. Deschamps is doing fine at the moment, so that's not imminent. And I see Zidane, um, who has renewed his contract as well. I see Zidane in his own mind's eye completing another two seasons and then thinking about the the cost, the the burnout, his, his family issues just being with them a little bit more, with his wife a little bit more. That's what I imagine will happen. So short term, they get taken apart. Okay, there will be a a hurricane afterwards. I still consider these two coaches as being hands on the reins of their own destiny, Neil. That's what I think. And I'm willing for you to, or the socios, to throw that back at me over the months if I'm wrong. But I see it as being more than simply... Um, the fact that they've won big trophies for the clubs. It's more that they are they have, they have done that, they've revitalised the club, the fan base adore them, and they, they've got this iconic status, each of them. You, we both know that if you're a club icon as a player and you come to be the manager and you fail, you get probably about three weeks extra grace. <laughs> not, more, not more than that. The fascinating one is the backstory between Florentino and Zidane that you've described perfectly there I mean that, that's a relationship unlike any that the Florentino's had in either of his spells that's correct yeah I mean I mean how many people can you have that relationship with yeah you know Zidane is so special as a as a footballer and I think what's lesser known it, it's become clearer now uh, that he's a coach and that there are intermittent excerpts of him talking at press conferences or in the flash on you know a PA what do you call it standing up immediately after a match both of these men that we're talking about, Cholo Simeone and Zidane, are, are, are I say far more than what you might imagine, given their playing background or what you see. You know, you see Simeone on the side like a condor, don't you? Um, all in black, the same tough, narrow-eyed face that you saw when he was a player and he would bite your legs, but flapping his arms up and down as if he wants to take flight because he wants more noise from the fans or showing his expressions of either delight or fury or mock disbelief, sent off in the Champions League final um, in Lisbon against um, 
against Ancelotti's Madrid. I think the word that everybody would reach for would be ferocity. But the ferocity is not everything. He's a man of, you know, shades, light and dark. He is philosophical, he's clever, he understands that some players need an arm on the shoulder, some need bullying. Um, his approach to an individual player can change. It won't be carrot all the time for those he thinks need a carrot rather than a stick. Sometimes it'll just be stick. But there's more to him and there's... Um, there's an awful lot more to Zidane, and that's why I come back to him. You said that the relationship between Florentino and Zidane, beyond the, the playing exploits, beyond the coaching exploits, one thing that people have known too little about, because he was, I mean, taciturn makes him sound garrulous compared to what he was actually like as a player. You know, he was trappist. And now that he's a coach, and when he didn't have to do press conferences for Castilla, when it wasn't obligatory, he didn't do them. Yet, in front of the media, he's displayed, since he became first-team coach, he's displayed the thing that the players would tell you about. Um, when they shared Zidane, um, dressing room, training ground, trips, whatever it was, he had adoration. Um, he is calm, um, irrespective of the red cards and the incidents in the pitch. 97% of his um, footballing life, People have worked alongside a guy who radiates calm, who radiates control. When he loses that self-control, it comes from the, you know, the street life that he had to survive in that um, multi-story block a suburb of Marseille, where life was tough, and uh, you, you sometimes survived with your fists, and and therefore that those red card incidents, the the, the infamous one against. Hamburg, the, the stamp on, I think, the Saudi Arabia player in France 98, where, you know, the film, what is it, Zidane, a 21st century portrait, that brilliant film, shows him cursing himself and pacing the dressing room because he's, I'm pretty certain it was Saudi Arabia, he certainly gives a stamp, it was a clear red card. He's worried it's cost France the World Cup in the group stages in 98. And he's chastising himself. And, you know, he recently broke into tears, didn't he, watching back a documentary about the 2000. Uh, Sixth World Cup in Berlin, where uh, headbutting Materazzi, he knew he helped cost France a World Cup final. And these items I mentioned because they, they're dead set against what he's like the rest of the time. Happy, fully aware of the gifts he's been given, a good teammate, a teammate who would take time for people who were a little bit lost in the melee of professional football life. Wit, always with a, a, a benign sense of humour, a, a a ready smile this is him as a player some of these things have rubbed off on, on the players that he manages while he's been a coach Zidane's status at the club is special beyond the fact that he's Zizou special beyond the fact that he won a World Cup with two goals in the final and won the octavo at Hamden with that great goal with that brilliant volley um, at Hamden Park against Bayer Leverkusen it, it goes beyond that that's that's the point I'm trying to make and therefore results count embarrassment would count if they, if they lost this hideously the league going away in November would count. He's not utterly immune, but there are special things about Zidane that go go beyond that iconic period when he was in a white shirt and played well. And it goes and, and, and his status goes beyond the fact that he's been a successful coach. There is something else. There is a third element, and it's very important. Let's move on to the pitch now, away from the managers. Before I ask you to actually call this match. I'm going to ask you to pick the two teams in a second. As kind of like a precursor to that, 
Is it still possible at this moment to name a world-class five-a-side football team from... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. From the injured players at Real Madrid. <laughs> That's a really good question. Nearly, nearly because the international uh, break has allowed Kayla to be very close. Varane, um, you know, despite all the furore about Coutinho playing for Brazil, having not been playing for Liverpool. Varane uh, missed the last game injured for maybe the last two, for Roma didn't, uh, played for France and is now fit again. So effectively that's worked out quite nicely for the club and, and no slight taken. Um, if, if Carvajal doesn't make it, then your five-a-side team would be Kayla Navas, uh, Carvajal, Kovacic, if people don't know, trust me, is <laughs> world-class. If Marcelo's fully fit, and I think he is, You've got Taylor Hernandez. At which point, in terms of injuries, you'd have Bale. And maybe one guy like Asensio or Ceballos who'd be on the bench. So fully from the injured guys, maybe not quite a world quite world class by the side of guys who are, you know, in dry dock only. But you'd be pretty damn close. Madrid are gonna be within the next couple of weeks, failing any uh, any further big injuries are going to be very, very close to nailing their, their top 11 on a regular basis on the build-up to the World Club Championship, which is in the which is going to be played in the Gulf, I think UAE. Uh, we still don't know the South American opponent uh, because the final has yet to be played. And then, by memory, they have Sevilla, they have Athletic. And, of course, on the 23rd of December in Madrid, they played the Clasico against Barcelona. So, as... as as awkward and ugly as the suspensions and injuries have uh, been for Real Madrid, they're coming together at pretty damn near the right time. Had, had they been fully fit going off into the national break and, and coming back to face Atleti with every bar one or two, then there could have been no complaints because every club right now is carrying somebody who isn't quite right. Uh, so it's short of perfection by just about a week or 10 days, but they're nearly there, Neil. The thing that's absent now is a little bit of reparation of automatismos. Now, I think it's a great word. The things that players do automatically without thinking. We describe them as creative moments of genius, when in fact the genius is in having the total uh, control, composure, awareness 
to make a ball that you know is the right ball. You know it's the right one before you make it. You know your compañero, your teammate, your your pal is going to be there because you've you've trained it. Not trained it in a rote manner like NFL, where it's written in a book and it's move number one up to move number 69. It's just about spatial awareness, about rhythm, about knowing when to make a run, timing, release of the ball, measurement of the pace of the ball, these things they work on again and again and again and again and again. And the genius is not in inventing it, it's being able to do it again and again and get it right. And that's what Madrid are lacking right now. And they won't reinvent it instantly, and they probably won't reinvent it in the heat of the furnace, I I think. But in terms of your generic question, where are they now? That's what I think is... It it will be better if Carvajal could start, which is not guaranteed because he's so far out of match shape for this game. He is the type of brave player you can say, I'm throwing you in here. And because he he is a lion heart, I don't think that's a cliche. Some players are like, yeah, give me the test. Give me the raw meat. I'll chew it up. And he's one of them, so he might start. I think it's inadvisable because his gap has been so long and this is such a ferocious atmosphere. However, he might start. So so had he been fit, better. Had Bale been part of the front three, better. So it's not going to come, but they're close, Neil. You know, they're close. And um, once that click happens about, yeah, I remember this, the midfield functions better. Once that functions better, the the defence is less exposed. And at that point, the midfield starts and the the overlapping fullbacks start to, to... you know, fund the excursions for Benzema and Ronaldo and until Bale is back, they score Asensio. Because right now, you know, Madrid has scored 22 and conceded nine in the league. Now, that's not their numbers normally. That's That doesn't feel right at all. Valencia, by comparison, has scored 30 and conceded 11, positive 19. Um, Atleti are having an atrocious time. They're positive 10 on a 16-6 ratio and Madrid are only three ahead of them. That That... That tells you something about where they're having difficulties. Okay, seeing as we're talking about um, Real Madrid just now, even though they're a away team, let's start with them. Knowing what you know um, right now at lunchtime on Friday, what 11 do you think Zidane's going to throw out? Um, I, I don't think there are too many doubts. I think it's um, Kiko Casilla and goals. Varane and Ramos definitely centre-halves, unless there's an incident in training. Um I, th- I think Marcelo just pips tail at left back. He's been out of form, um, but he's had a couple of weeks of work, and therefore Marcelo at left back. Um, the big doubt I have is what I said before, Nacho or Carvajal. It, it should be Nacho, fit, quick, uh, able for the atmosphere, aggressive. But Zidane is, is a risk taker, so I'd say 60-40. The 60 is Nacho, the 40 is Carvajal. In midfield, simple. Casemiro anchoring. It's going the left, Cruz on the right. I think Modric is a doubt. He didn't train yesterday. He was in the gym. Again, my bet is he makes it. So I think it's Casemiro, Isco, Cruz, Benzema, Cristiano. Okay. Listeners, we're going to mark Graham when these teams come out, probably about an hour before kickoff. And now for the home team, please. Yeah, slightly simpler. All black and goals. Juan Fran makes it. Juan Fran starts. Savage and Godin. I don't, I don't trust Savage. I don't think he's good, and I think that's his hedgehog. Uh, Lucas at left back, uh, Gabi and Saul in central midfield. We talked a lot yesterday about for socios about Gabi 
and about Saul's moving to the centre midfield. If I can just break in there, yeah, we should just say that for those of you listening on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, we did do a big special just for the socios yesterday on um, what's eating at Letty. So if, if we haven't dipped into every single issue that you think relates to Atleti, then you really should check out that. Yeah, it's different material. It's at length, it's honest. Um, I get passionate at certain stages, but it's analytical, it's, it's accurate, it's, it's taken from details that I know are hard and fast from the training ground. Okay. And it's worth it's worth a listen. I'm sorry I broke into that. So we have Gabby and Saul yeah. in the middle. Gabby and Saul, okay. In what's going to become a four-and-a-half-man midfield, um, I think that, again, I talked about Carrasco and how he's ill-looked at at the moment at Atleti because of his behaviour. I, I think that's a love affair that's coming to an end and coming to an end quickly, which is a shame because... Um, the Belgian makes a difference. The Belgian could have been a very special, very important player in this squad, but I think he's going to miss out. So Gabi and Saul, Koki wide but tucking in, Correa wide, um, at which point Thomas Partey, I think, is going to get the opportunity to do what Isco does, which is to become that extra man in, in midfield. And I think that Aleti are very scared of losing midfield. When uh, the Champions League tie, uh, I guess it was last season, where Madrid thrash um, Atleti, and the big win um, Madrid had at the Calderon in the last visit there, midfield was just totally owned by white shirts, and that's or black shirts. That is that is something that Cholo Simeone can't have. What did you call it? The I crushing th- machine a few weeks ago on this very show. Yeah, I did because, you know, the, the identity of Atletico Madrid was that um, you couldn't breathe, you couldn't think. They were by fair means or foul, they were in your face or they were at your ankles. If you don't do, they're not doing that in general now, and if you don't do that against an inform, uh, Casemiro, Cruz, Isco, Modric, you know, perm four from five, including Ceballos or Asensio, but principally... Your three major architects are Casemiro, Cruz and Unfor, Modric with Isco floating. And if you let them, if you give them a sniff, they will absolutely destroy you. And and they are the key elements that have allowed Zidane to make this an, an all-conquering team since he took over 21 months ago and win seven trophies at an average of three, uh, a trophy every three months. And therefore, I, I think that Tosami only looks at it as being vital. The Gabi, Saul, Correa, Koke, and Thomas floating between. I mean, I think they're gonna. I think that sometimes they're gonna look like a four-five-one at home, and look to break. I think that that. I think that that is Simeone's concept. I think that Thomas Partey is going to be given alongside with Correa, but one or other of them will will be allowed to link and create in behind Griezmann. And the the, the weird thing about Letty, certainly at the Calderon is that the fans would accept that. The, 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 the harmony, the communion between club and coach and fans was so complete that if Atleti played the 4-5-1 idea and played on the break at home, but one, good enough. Good enough for everybody, you know? And, and the naysayers would be taken outside and flogged by their own fellow fans. And I don't think that happens very often at clubs. It can, I've seen it happen sometimes at a club where Mourinho is in charge, when moments in time collide and a club and a directorship and a fan base say, just get us a trophy, get us out of this, help us do something we've not done before, 
and we'll talk about the manner of play later. So it it, it can happen, but I think it's rare. And I, um, until now, it has been acceptable at Atleti, and I think that's what they're going to try and do on Saturday night against Roma is suck them in and then open them up. I particularly like the idea of Partey starting this game. I think he's one of a handful of players so far in this La Liga season that you and I have been immediately drawn to. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's exciting. Once he learns a little bit of tactical discipline, he, he's one of these guys who goes to the ball, breaks up an opposition move, and then goes, I tell you what, I want to do something with this now, and can do special things. Um, he's, he's exciting because... To some extent, he's he's still football in its purest state. And you can recognise a guy who'd have dominated in the playground or dominated at amateur level with 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 a, a voraciousness, with a hunger for fun and, and, and risk that he pulled off. And when you watch, I think, when you watch an elite player who's still got that, it, it's, 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 he's not an Isco, he's not the same, but it's part of the reason that Isco and Asensio thrill us so much. And... Um, also, to see a guy who's a physical phenomenon, but who's also got really clever uh, technical touch and can score goals from range as well. That's funny. I was going to was... yeah, mention that. I mean, I think especially if they're set up like that, and we spoke at length on the Socio Special about uh, Griezmann's inclination to come deeper, that threat from distance is kind of vital if you're going to play that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I, I don't want to. I want to talk about nuances here. Kiko Garcia is a very good goalkeeper, um, but he's not killer. And I, my opinion is that Kiko Garcia reduces um, the likelihood of Madrid keeping a clean sheet a little bit compared to Kehler, and therefore um, that has to encourage a, a club that isn't scoring goals easily at the moment. You know, Griezmann looked quite good for France in the international break, I thought. Griezmann's been talking about... Um, I'm fine. Uh, there are no worries. As has Ronaldo in L'Equipe, saying Zidane views my situation the same as I do. It's fine, and I'm going to score goals soon. Everybody's relaxed. So, uh, you know, both of the big strikers are saying, <laughs> don't move along, please, but nothing to see here. No problem, folks. Well, we'll see you on Saturday night. OK, it sounds like you're edging towards the prediction in wrapping this up. <laughs> I think there's so little between the sides now that the draw is more likely. I say that because Atleti are significantly a lesser side right now, even than Madrid in in odd, idiosyncratic, fallible form. I think that um, Madrid are close um, to finding their mojo again, but there is you need to be so so sharp, you need to be so efficient and accurate in what you do away to Atleti. If there's to be a winner, I think it's Madrid because it's utterly utterly vital for them to do so. But overall, the the boost that the majority of the players being fit uh, will have for Atleti, the need to not lose the first game at the Wanda Metropolitano evens things out for me. And uh, I'm not asking anybody to go and put their, their, their hard-earned fiver on it, but I see it as a scoring draw uh, because of those factors. OK, I'm away to put my hard-earned fiver on it. Yeah, I knew you would. <laughs> Listen, that's that's great. Thank you so much, Graham. Guys, everybody listening, I hope very much that you enjoyed it as much as I did. That was fantastic. Viva La Liga. If you'd like to hear more analysis on Atletico Madrid, November's social special is titled What's Eating Atleti? And it's only a click away. Patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter, where you'll also unlock four exclusive big interviews, plus Graham's hour-long chat with Jermaine Defoe, which will be out December the 1st. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 